0: I was a kid growing up in Jersey. Uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan.
1: I was young when I left home, and I've been out a rambling round, and I never wrote a letter to my home, to my home, Lord, to my home, and I never wrote a letter to my home. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, of Freewheeland, Rob Kelly, and joining us once again is my pal Douglas Larose. Hi, Doug. Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you back on the show.
0: It's it's always so delightful to be here. I've, I'm very excited for this. Thank you very much. Yes, <laughs> you uh, you asked to cover. I was young
1: when I left home. A song that. Bob Dylan recorded in November of 1961. Now, initially, I thought that made it the oldest song that we have covered on Pod Dylan, but that isn't exactly true because just the previous month, Bob had recorded, done the sessions for his first record, which of course featured a song to Woody, and we've covered that song. So in terms of recording dates... This is the second oldest song we've ever done. But of course, Song Do Woody came out later in 62 when the record came out. This song was, as far as I know, uh, recorded once. As I said, it was in uh, December 22nd, 1961, part of the famous uh, Minneapolis hotel tape where Bob ran through a bunch of songs and her friends was recording them. But it was uh, after this performance, completely left by the side of the road and never returned to again. So we're going to get into the history of it and what we feel about it. But, but Doug, why did you want to talk about this song?
0: Well, you know, first of all, <laughs> I just want to point out that we've discussed like three of the most depressing songs. a <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Tin Angel, certainly depressing. Uh, uh, murder,
1: a, tri- yeah, yeah, a uh, murder triangle, a love triangle featuring murder. And then a nine minute ballad about the Civil War
0: right right about a soldier dying and like his spirit hovering over the the south and yeah and then here we are uh with with uh, i was young when i left him which is certainly a, a very sad song um, Good
1: lord doug pick something from the basement tapes
0: next time i i promise you i i actually walk around in like hawaiian shirts most of the time so. <laughs> to the Eskimo uh, or something <laughs> but yeah so this this song uh had a huge impact on my life it was um I think you'll remember well uh the Love and Theft came out on, on uh that dismal day of nine eleven, two thousand one. 2001. Yep. And I, I drove down to the record store to pick it up and um and you know that the bonus disc. This was on the bonus disc and that what a great bonus disc that was. This and um the times there are changing that the outtake that uh is far better than the, the album version, in my opinion. But but this song uh, it, it it really impacted me a lot because I moved away from home that same well actually i think it was probably march of 2002 that i actually left my home but um having this this song with me i moved up to san francisco and i just remember listening to this song kind of over and over again and just feeling so homesick and this song did not help (laughs) at all but but it really like resonated with me and uh stuck with me for a long time and you know, Dylan's vocal is so tender. I mean, he sounds like he's full of emotion and, and, and kind of crying himself at certain points during the song. And and it just, you know, it, it just speaks to me in, in, in such a profound way. I mean, the whole idea of, of home and, and you know, leaving home and, and having a place to kind of to to remember and look back to and kind of yearn for is 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 a feeling that I kind of find myself facing you know on a regular basis uh have faced throughout my life and I just think that he captured that feeling so perfectly in this song it's beautiful it's concise it's um it's it's really like in tune with the, the folk tradition and the 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 scene in New York City uh, when he arrived just a just a, a beautiful song one of my favorites
1: yeah I uh like you I got it I first heard it uh on the love and theft bonus disc I was not familiar with the song at all I didn't know Uh, this song existed until I got that bonus. Like I actually went to tower records, the late great tower records uh, the night before. Uh, I think i must've told the story on the show at some point, but I I went to tower records at midnight. They opened at midnight on September 10th. So you could get the new releases. And one of them was love and theft. And I was there that night and I got it. And I remember bringing it home and listening to, I mean, of course I listened to love and theft first, Mm -hmm. but then I listened to this and like I said, I was completely not prepared for what I was about to hear. I was totally unfamiliar with the song. And then I as soon as I heard it, I really did love it. Now I will say that of all like of all the multiple eras of Bob, and there have been so many at this point, his Woody Guthrie voice, that part of him where he was just starting out, is is kind of like my least favorite because I feel it's the least genuine
0: mm-hmm.
1: of, of, of his vocal performances. I think he's trying especially on the Bob Dylan record, the first one, the sixty two record. To me, he's trying so hard to sound, you know, old timey. Even though he was ridiculously fresh-faced and young, that I always feel that it doesn't quite uh, register. That said, and he affects that kind of uh, voice in this song. That said, uh, as much as I like the lyrics, and we'll get into the lyrics shortly, to me, it really is the vocal performance. Um, mm-hmm. he is able to suggest deep, deep sorrow um that he that this this narrator, the person who is singing the song is just so profoundly missing their home. And of course, you know, I mean, Bob Dylan, when he recorded this, was in Minneapolis, he had returned home, but he had in the, you know, before that gone to New York and sort of established his, his role as Bob Dylan, taking the new name. And, you know, you can imagine that he was feeling this, uh, this longing for his home and he returns back and you have to figure, you know, he'd, he'd gone out to New York and had been immediately really, uh, well received by the folk crowd i mean he hadn't exploded yet this is pre-blown in the wind but i think on some level he had to know that what was what was headed his way maybe and mm-hmm. knowing that his life was probably never going to be the same once he went back to new york after this brief trip home and to me you can really hear that in his vocal performance in in the way he sings it of just deep, deep sorrow and it's, it really tugs at your heartstrings and I find it to be very effective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, and the way his voice kind of breaks at, at certain points in the, in the song, like just kind of it, like it, his, it, like I, I can't remember this specific uh, verse, but it, his voice like cracks and breaks and it, it sounds like, like he's on the verge of tears. And I don't, it's, I think it's probably the most emotional Bob Dylan vocal um, that, that, that I've heard. I mean, it depends on how you define emotion. I guess "Idiot Wind on Hard Rain" is is pretty hmm. emotional too, <laughs> but in a different kind of way, right? Um, yeah. But but this this song is it, it's it's full of this kind of deep, warm sadness um, that, that they they can really only be kind of associated with nostalgia and, and kind of looking back and and, and you know on, on people that you might have known earlier in your life or I mean, how old was he when he when he, when he performed this like he's not even like twenty, right? It would have
1: been just. It would have been not yet twenty-one. I mean, this would have been be. November of sixty-one. <laughs> he was born in May of forty-one. So yeah, he would have been basically twenty and a yeah, half six
0: months at that point. Well, that's how old I was when I first heard it. So I guess. Oh it makes wow! Sense. Oh yeah! Perfect. Jeez. <laughs> but I, I do agree with you on the Woody Guthrie um, uh, point. Uh, I I, uh, I listened to a lot of Woody Guthrie because I i kind of study old standards and I, I i play a lot of woody guthrie songs in my banjo and uh yeah you can hear a lot of uh in in bob's early recordings like he, he gets kind of silly and, and 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 does a lot of the little woody guthrie kind of studio jokes and stuff so
1: <laughs> yeah i mean like so again some of the stuff on the first record right like the fixing to die to me it's just the vocal yeah. stuff is very man fixing to die fix it it's a little like all right okay um, but, but here he drops all that. He drops all that. I mean, again, he, he has the, the Woody Guthrie sort of twang, but again, he really puts across the emotion. And the song continues on. It says, it was just the other day I was bringing home my pay when I met an old friend I used to know. Said your mother's dead and gone. Baby sister's all gone wrong, and your daddy needs you home right away. Not a shirt on my back, not a penny on my name. Well, I can't go home this away, this away, Lord, 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 and I can't go home this away." Now, you know, again, from the research, this is Bob's sort of loose interpretation of Ramblin' Jack Elliott's song, 900 Miles. Now, I'm not that familiar with that song, but what I did see of it is that it's much more of a narrative. It's much more of a story song. And Bob's version kind of leaves all that. It, it hints at some things. Obviously, you're getting the idea that um, he, this this person has left his home, and then while he's been gone, uh, everything's gone completely Tits up, you know. I mean, the mm-hmm. mother has died, baby sisters all gone wrong. You can, you know, guess what that maybe that means. And then the father needs him home, but of course they're expecting this person who was left to have been a success, and he doesn't have a shirt on his back, not a penny to his name. He's not a success, and he doesn't want to return home under those circumstances, but he has to. And again, it um, when 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 Dylan sings the, this away, Lord Lord Lord, he really really puts it across.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, the Lord, Lord, Lord. Like, yeah. it's just very, like, kind of, uh, like almost gospel. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really, it's it's really deep and profound. And and I really um th- this when I when I was when I was preparing for this, I was thinking of these lines, and it reminds me of of uh, of some research I did when I was in, in graduate school as, as an anthropologist um, in Ghana, uh, looking at agriculture and and uh, and and uh, urbanization and how a lot of um you see a lot of this in in developing countries where the young people who grew up who grew up in like rural agrarian areas they'll leave home to find a job in the city and uh and then when they can't find a job they kind of just stay in the city and just kind of rough it out because mm-hmm. they're too ashamed to go home and you know their family is going to look at them and be like oh you, you were supposed to be a success and and you haven't done anything with your life, and so the shame kind of keeps them away from from their home and even from communicating with their their families. So I, I was really I thought that this captured that perfectly. Um, and and I'm sure back in you know and in, in the in the early uh, 20th century that was that was probably much more common than it is now.
1: It's pretty amazing that he is able to get to to convincingly. Again, it depends on your point of view how you like the song, but convincingly put across this idea of someone who has failed and does not want to return home when that is completely the opposite of his experience Uh, to that point you know I mean he had he had already been headlining concerts and he was you know but people were going all crazy for him and stuff and yet he's able to sort of sell that uh, that this is a guy who he's able to put on that 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 suit of clothes to someone who has failed and doesn't want to return home and he continues on he says if you miss the train I'm on count the days I'm gone you will hear that whistle blow 100 miles A hundred miles, honey baby, Lord, Lord, Lord. And you hear that whistle blow, a hundred miles. I'm playing on a track. Ma would come and whoop me back on them trestles down by old Jim McKay's. Um, When I pay the debt I owe to the commissary store, I will pawn my watch and chain and go home, go home. Lord, 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 I will pawn my watch and chain and go home. Now, the mention of the the company store, uh, the commissary store specifically, to me, that very much conjures um, Diamond Joe. Ah, uh, which he hmm. covers on uh, "Good as I've Been to You" because it's a—it's about a bunch of cowpunchers, but it's those guys who sort of work for a boss who cannot escape the uh, the financial pickle that they find themselves in, uh, mostly due to the boss. And so, to me, I feel like you hear a lot of that in this song. I mean, again, uh-huh. you're getting a better sense of this of this person. It's a very of mice and men kind of vibe to it that this this guy who is singing is you know like a farm hand or a factory hand of some sort obviously a a laborer and he is having to you know give all his money up to the to the company store uh again you know sort of a hoyt Axton thing too there's 16 tons uh and the guy cannot get free of this uh of this debt that he's in and he can't he doesn't even have enough money to scrape home uh, on the train and again it's Bob Dylan had already been, you know, kind of a big success, and yet he's again he was able to to really make it convincing. And I love when he talks about the again the vocal performance point. He says, "I will pawn my watch and chain and go home." The way he almost kind of like swallows that line, uh-huh. I love when he says, like, "I will pawn my watch and chain and go home." Like he's like mumbling it. Of course, Bob Dylan's nice, you not. Know. Yeah, <laughs> he he would be go on for a career full of mumbling. But uh, you know what I mean? Like that to me is very very affecting. The way he says that particular line, he's so ashamed that uh, the the guy does. You have nothing left to sell but his watch.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, y- you almost wonder like it, whether I think in this song he's kind of in, trying to embody one of the, these the character of the song, and and I, and I think it it definitely connects to you know Woody Guthrie is kind of you know the decibel. You know, kind of migrant who's you know down, out of luck and kind of looking for something, looking for greener pastures. And I, I, I think he conjures up that kind of of character. But he really, I mean, in most of his songs, he doesn't really embody characters or even try to embody characters. But it seems like in this song, he really is the voice of of the narrator. I mean, literally. And, and I also really um, when it talks about the letter, you know, at the very beginning, I never wrote a letter to my home that. That's also something that, you know, I think a lot of younger people aren't going to really be able to connect to. But I mean, I'm sure you remember a, a time when letters, yeah, sure. writing a letter home, you know, was a very profound experience and receiving a letter was also a very profound experience. Um, yeah. Not not a WhatsApp message or a text message, but a physical document that you open up and you see the person's writing and Um, it's, it, it, that really speaks to me whenever I hear that at the very beginning.
1: Yeah. I'm old enough to remember in a time I was in school and away from, from home and like people, mail would get in and if you didn't get any mail, you know, it's, it's not like it's as bad as like being at, uh, being away in the the army or something. But, (laughs) but when you're away from home and you don't get any, you know, you don't get anything in the mail, it's a little like, "Mm,"
0: you know, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jerks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh and then he in the, the song continues on, he says, Used to tell Ma sometimes when I see them riding blinds, gonna make me a home out in the wind, in the wind, Lord in the wind, gonna make me a home out in the wind. I don't like it in the wind. I want to go back home again, but I can't go home this away, this away, Lord our oh Lord, and I can't go home this away. Um uh, and yeah. then and then he wraps up with, I was young when I left home and I've been out rambling around, and I never wrote a letter to my home to my home, Lord our oh Lord. And I never wrote a letter to my home. So I find it interesting that the song doesn't resolve itself. We don't know if the guy ever goes home necessarily. Uh, But of course, that's not really what it's about. It's about that, I guess, that he never having written home, uh, he has severed the connection Uh to his family. And even if he can go back, it's not going to be the same thing. And the guy is realizing it in sort of the, the length of the song that, you know, he left the family. Everything's gone badly since and but now he's probably maybe in some ways, you know, permanently disconnected from them.
0: Yeah, that's 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 my takeaway as well. That it's it, it's it's a a very depressing, you know, the <laughs> like that that is the the result is that he's 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 a lonely kind of drifting soul and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, has, has severed that. But that those those two verses, um, I mean, that when I when I sat down to, to look at this, um, Preparing for this, I, I hadn't really thought about these verses about um, the the wind. Um, those two verses that, uh, with the wind to me that is so profound. I mean, it, it's like one of the most profound things and, and very personal things that I've ever uh, thought about in a Dylan song. It's and it speaks to this. I don't know if you can relate to this, but um, you know when when you're when you're kind of growing up and, and you're learning about these really kind of. Uh, larger than life figures. I mean, like a Bob Dylan or like a Jack Kerouac or, or uh, you know, somebody whose story is just larger than life. And you think that, you know, I want to be that person. I want to kind of have those kinds of experiences. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, traveling to Africa and, and living in all these different countries. And it, it, it's like this very kind of romantic obsession that you have with ha- having these kind of huge experiences. And, and then when you get there <laughs> and you're in those situations, it's it's very very difficult, and uh, the the travails and the pain and, and the the you know the looking back and the nostalgia are very very profound, and you kind of you kind of think back to that time when you were you know with your family your you know your, your mother and father or, or whatever, and, and and you think you know oh I you know I always wanted this but here I am and 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 it's so difficult and i really want to just kind of go back to that home you know that warm place where i can just sit on the couch and by the fire and just feel as comfortable as as a human can possibly feel mm-hmm. and but but i can't you know i can't go home because i'm i'm so far away or in the, you know the situation of the song like severed from the family and too ashamed to kind of make a reappearance
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a, I have a, well, I have had however, however tense you want to use, uh, a friend from many years ago that uh, did a lot of traveling in the United States, and I envy them to a certain extent because I haven't done that much traveling. At the same time, they also had to keep their relationships with other people, including myself, at a certain much of an arms distance, because that enabled them to sort of just pack up at a moment's notice and go. Uh, and so while I while I again envy that they've seen as much of this country as they have seen, I also don't know if I would want to have replicated that because I like having the relationships that I have, you know? I don't I wouldn't like the idea that I could pack up and leave and it, it and people would people's lives would sort of go I mean of course people's lives would go on without me, but the idea that the uh, I could sort of just surgically cut myself out of their life to go off and have an adventure and the adventure sounds fun, but yeah, you also do miss the people that you've left behind. So yeah, there is that sort of bittersweet quality to it. And I will say, um, since recording, uh, the last episode and this one, uh, my fiance and I went on vacation and it was a glorious vacation. We saw a bunch of friends and, uh, uh, we went to a bunch of cities and we were together, but at the certain, at a certain point around day six, I started kind of missing being home uh you know i mean and and it wasn't like there's anybody here in the place it was just us but i sort of like we missed our dog you know I just, it just you had that kind oh, of yeah. like longing of kind of like oh okay and that was that was a trip full of nice hotel rooms you know what i mean that was not that trip <laughs> that trip was not hardship like this poor guy's undergoing but so yeah i can appreciate it. it's like i i admire people that have the ability to travel great distances and see so much of the world but at the same time i don't i don't know if i'm Sort of congenitally built to handle that.
0: Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's definitely tough, and you know, I mean, it, it gets a little bit easier with time, but but certainly, um, and the way he delivers that vocal, where it's it's kind of like the guitar playing kind of quiets down a bit, and is mm-hmm. I don't like it in the wind. Want to go back home again, and then his his voice kind of cracks or like at different points within within that that verse, and it, it's just magical. <laughs> it's so magical and i just it's like the dream versus the reality uh, that's kind of how i interpret it is is you know it's you know you dream of 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 you know experiencing life through somebody else's eyes but it, you know i'm sure like even dylan himself you know people people dream of you know Oh, i want to be like bob dylan i think the, the counting crows guy said that uh, <laughs> <laughs> he literally said that yes <laughs> yeah right but then i'm sure bob dylan's kind of like oh, i you know he's even said it in interviews like you know i I'd, I'd rather be a doctor, you know, I, You know, who knows if he actually means that, but <laughs> good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's, this is a guy who, uh, you know, was already, you know, took this, took this trip out to New York and has already been been met with great success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even he's able to kind of feel forlorn about it. And by the way, As I mentioned, this song was recorded uh, by some friends at this Minneapolis hotel, recorded by uh, Tony Glover uh, at uh, Bonnie Beecher's apartment in Minneapolis. I mean, the quality of this recording is pretty amazing. Uh, When you think about what technology was available to just regular people in 1961, I mean, this was not a recording studio. This was not recorded by Columbia Records or anything. This was just recorded presumably in an open-air room you know bob wasn't mic'd probably in any real way but man the, the the audio quality i find it pretty astounding and it's amazing to think that something this old this is a 60 year old recording uh, it sounds as crisp and as sharp as is i mean his vocal is crystal
0: clear Yeah, absolutely yeah it's and like the little bit of distortion and 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 kind of um, well, you know the, the 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 little bit of low quality sound that you can hear actually kind of gives it like a even an atmosphere mm mm-hmm. <laughs> like the way the guitar notes kind of you know blend together it it, it kind of gives it an extra little atmospheric quality that's that kind of kicks it up a notch even
1: (laughs) yeah now uh again this was some before i realized that he had recorded this after uh he had already done bob dylan i always wonder well why wasn't this on the bob dylan record uh either either this song in general, or the performance. Now, of course, I realize this was recorded after he already had finished that record. Maybe he hadn't written this mm-hmm. to that point. Um, but, I mean, as we can see, Bob is already off uh, on his on his uh, famous trajectory of not always maybe featuring the best songs on any given record at any point. Because I, I think I think the Bob Dylan record is is okay at best. There's some good stuff on it. Song to Woody, as we mentioned. And there's some other good performances. But, man, I would have loved to have heard this on the Bob Dylan record, I think it would have been you know maybe the most effective song on it,
0: yeah, absolutely, especially with that that higher quality recording, yeah it would yeah, because yeah. that that's a good sounding record, even though it's even though it's not doesn't have the best performance it's um performance is it's still a very nice crisp sounding record.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly affecting, uh, no surprise. This song has been recorded, has been performed zero times live. Uh, again, this was something that Bob wrote presumably sometime around the end of 1961 recorded it and then just completely left it behind. Now, uh, it was, I did find a cover by uh, Marcus Mumford, uh, which I thought was actually very effective. I thought he did a really nice job uh, on the cover. Uh, I mean, By the fact that it appeared on the love and theft bonus disc, and then later ended up being included on the no direction home soundtrack. Uh Um, Obviously Dylan's camp, uh, you know, recognizes its quality to some extent because they felt it worthy enough to be put on a bonus disc for, for love and theft and then put on the, on the soundtrack. But yeah, this is something that Bob obviously uh, really just decided to leave by the, the side of the road because he, other than the, other than this one version, as far as I know, he never recorded it again or even tried. And I said he's never done it live. So this was like the one shot. And then uh, that's it. It's just forget it.
0: <laughs> and you know, I, this is going to, this is going to, might blow your mind, it might not. But last night I watched, um, I sat down uh, to, look, to watch a movie and I, you know, it was flipping through the, you know, the various apps and <laughs> and I and I came across uh on Amazon they recommended inside Lewin Davis. Lewin? Lewin
1: Lewin I think is how they yeah.
0: and and I had never seen that before and um and oh you yeah, hadn't you hadn't seen that yet? I, I hadn't seen it before. Oh no, yeah. terrific and, movie. And I love the Cohen brothers and I knew that like there was uh, some kind of you know basing it on on uh, David von ronk and, and Bob Dylan and in that kind of period in New York. And um as I was watching the movie, I was sitting there and there's a performance of what's basically this song mm-hmm. in that movie, but it's kind of like an up uptempo uh, version with, you know, there's, I think, three different people singing on it. But it's like almost line for line the same. It's not the whole song, but it's, you know, different verses from the song. And, and I just I was blown away. I was just I was like, oh my god, I'm talking about this song tomorrow <laughs> with, with Rob. Like, like, and and I've never heard it anywhere else except for uh, you know the the bonus disc in No Direction Home, and and so I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, and and really, the the movie um, you know does a good job of you know, somewhat capturing that uh, sentiment, right? Of yeah, you know, of a guy kind of trying to figure it out, and you know has a lot of anxieties and, you know, he's, he's young and talented, but like kind of unsure of himself and living in New York, trying to, trying to make it, you know? So yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was like really uh, a pretty powerful coincidence.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I I think that movie beautifully captures uh, that feeling of, of, you know, trying to accomplish something and then having this nagging sense that you're never going to make it. Uh, and how haunting that has got to be. It's really even saying for the Coen, for the Cohen brothers, even even them, it's one of their grimmest films. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, poor 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 Lou they really have it out for poor Lou and Davis in, in that movie. And then the fact that the guy struggles so mightily through all two hours of the movie. And then, you know, as, essentially as as we see, is his career is about to be ob- obliterated by the arrival of a um a, you know, much more talented singer songwriter coming in who makes a sort of cameo at the end of the film and you're like, boy, yeah, this is, uh, they, no one's going to remember Lewin Davis once this, uh, Bob Dylan guy gets famous.
0: Right. What, what, what is that song? It's, um, uh, Dink's song. Is that the one that, that Bob Dylan performs or that they, they, they kind of play over the credits?
1: I think so. I haven't seen it in a little while, but I think, yeah, it sounds right.
0: Yeah. it' a great movie. And, and really I just, I just had to. I had to throw that in there because it just it blew my mind that like that, that we were going to be talking about this today and that movie was on and it was just like oh wait what how is this happening?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I again we can only guess what it, what it be like what it's got to be like to be Bob Dylan but like imagine going to see a movie and then you end up being like a character in the movie. <laughs> Look, <laughs> now I'm sure he's used to it at this point. They've made old movies about him yeah, uh, and he and he's sure. been he's been you know officially and unofficially portrayed in a million instances of pop culture so I mean he's just used to it at this point but when I, I didn't know that was coming and we don't mean to get so far off of the song but I didn't know that that happens in that movie and so I'm watching it and I'm really enjoying it and then all of a sudden essentially Bob Dylan shows up I was like what yeah you know, really not <laughs> expecting that but even the, even that movie's color palette uh, with these sort of really drab grays and sad kind of blue uh-huh. uh, blue hues in it it feels like this song. It has that yep. s- p- wonderfully sad feeling to it. And so, yeah, it really it, this. It, you could see this song informing the Coen brothers as they were working on it because it just has that feeling to it. And, you know, we were talking about you're all the way in, in Africa, for, for God's sakes. I mean, at the same time, we now have technology to keep us all in touch uh, in a way that you know did not exist within our lifetimes. And again, back to that movie, there's long stretches where people are in are in car trips and you really are just you feel like, man, you were just so cut off from mm-hmm. the rest of the world at that point because there just was no way to communicate with anyone. Now we're all just used to it. Instant communication all the time. But that that feeling of just dislocation and worry and self-recrimination that you've you've maybe left your family in a bad spot and things have gotten worse. And now you got to go home. I mean, again, he really—it's an amazing vocal performance by a guy who, again, was not even, you know, not even twenty-one years old.
0: Yeah, that that whole line about, um, you know, he's uh, basically—I, you know, I thought that the lyric—I could swear the lyric was I was drinking on my pay, and not I was bringing home my pay. But it—it might might be. be. I mean, we
1: know that he keeps changing it for the website, so you don't know.
0: (laughs) But that that whole that whole part of the song. Where he's, uh, you know, it was just the other day. I was bringing home my pay when I met an old friend I used to know, and and he hears it from a friend, you know, that his mm. mother's dead, his sisters all gone wrong, which you know that who knows what that means, but it's just it's just really, I mean, imagine you know, imagine you know, being in the 1920s or 1930s or whatever, and you know, you've left your home to to go, to, to find money and you know, hopefully, you know, be able to give back to your family and. You hear it from just a friend, you know, that, oh, oh, by the way, your dad's dead and your sister's all messed up. It's, I mean, that's just <laughs> pretty dark. <laughs> the other song
1: that we did cross the green mountain features a, a sad letter that arrives about dead relatives as well.
0: Oh, Oh, that's, Oh my goodness.
1: Letter uh, to mother came today. Gunshot wound to the breast is what it did say. So it's really, really got, really got a theme here, Douglas. <laughs>
0: And then, of course, you know, it, it, it. What makes it even worse is the fact that he never even wrote a letter. You know, it's just.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't even bother. He didn't even bother to, to, to write at home. Yeah, it's said. It. It's really a re- remarkable performance, and uh, I'm glad that that uh, that you know somebody thought to keep it. Uh, you know when it was recorded. I mean, you know, they were his friends at that point. I mean, he was he was already becoming famous, so obviously, recording it, there was some attempt at well, this should be you know for posterity. But uh, you know, we are very fortunate to be fans of Bob Dylan that he was so heavily cataloged and recorded right from the outset of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really amazing because you could think you could imagine in an era when this stuff was not always necessarily meant to, meant to uh, last forever that a lot of the stuff could have just disappeared you know it's kind of like the you know old, the old silent films 90 percent of the silent films that were ever made are gone forever because nobody thought to keep them but everybody was really getting this guy down for posterity pretty early on and like i said in remarkably high quality i mean again good enough that it's gonna it can appear in a documentary directed by martin scorsese 55 years later
0: you're right called no direction home right called
1: no, <laughs> it's, called no direction home that's perfect yeah yeah
0: because that is kind of like a um that, that is it seems to be a theme in in, in his, his songwriting is that the whole idea of home and and it, which which is kind of strange because you know he's like this very uh kind of his whole image is the of this wild rambling bohemian you know and then but but then because you don't normally associate those kinds of people with people who long for home you know mm-hmm. And yet he he, uh, he seems to have that theme running throughout his, his music, and he seems to also love home. He, he's a very private person who kind of wants to be in, in his own his own house in his own kind of world and left alone and so yeah, it
1: does again, it makes me think like pre uh cell phones. was Bob Dylan a good letter writer? you know? Was he writing people while he was on the road and and now, in the, in the age of cell phones, like can you imagine Bob texting people? <laughs> like what, that would like right he's got to have a cell phone right that's there must crazy. be a cell phone that's Bob Dylan's so there he must be sitting there like t- 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 you know he's sitting there looking at it he's talking yeah tony hold on a second you know
0: lol uh smiley face emoji <laughs> you
1: know like you to imagine that yeah
0: actually tony i'm playing candy crush can you please yeah <laughs> right exactly <laughs>
1: He's sitting there. He's writing all of his rock star friends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. can't imagine what, what that would be like. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a really wonderful performance. It's a beautiful song. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mentioned the the cover by Marcus Mumford. So, I mean, it's, it's people know about it and it's something that you mentioned. It was in the, it was in the movie as well. Uh, again, this guy was, this guy had it, you know, right from the very beginning. I mean, he just did uh, the fact that he yeah. was able to create a song, like this and it's a you know it's funny it's sort of a longish song Uh, when you look at it it's like eight or nine verses but it doesn't feel long it doesn't it doesn't wear out its welcome
0: yeah it goes by it goes by pretty quickly yeah and i'd always thought that it was like like a minute and a half or two minutes or something Actually, how long is it? Like three, four minutes? It's something like four minutes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it
1: goes on for a while, but it doesn't. Again, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that. So, he said, yeah, uh, it's really <laughs> yeah, an
0: absolutely beautiful performance. So, and you know, one other thing, um, you know, that, that, that might speak to the amount of emotion in it is the is the fact that, you know, he might have like had a premonition that, um, you know, he was going to be you know extremely successful, and he already w- was you know getting there. But he might have known that you know there's kind of no turning back, and 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 maybe you know some of that emotion is kind of leaking in there, you know, leaching into this song, into the performance of the song, because it it's it's it has to be coming from somewhere, because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of emotion.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, right. He had to know, I may not know, but he had to guess, or at least be certainly cognizant of that. Yeah, everything was going to change pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And he was never going to be able to be the same person after this. You know, mm-hmm. nothing will ever be the same, and nothing ever was, obviously for him. And so, yeah, you, I can imagine that he's pursuing this line of of endeavor. Uh, he wants this level of he, you know, he's going to achieve a level of success probably far beyond his imagination. But it's something that probably most people would desire. But at the same time, you are a little rueful about it because you're 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 cutting off everything that you used to know. Uh, by by your very nature of your fame is going to become very isolating, mm-hmm. and uh, that's probably what he's able to con- again convey it with the the vocal performance is that he just is able to put across because again any individual line in the song is not there's no like super brilliance here there's no line in it where you're like wow what a great turn of phrase it's very plain spoken um it's you know mother's been mother's dead and gone sister's all gone wrong there's there's you know there's not these like verbal flights of fancy that you'd say wow you know well wow, this is a hard rain's gonna fall you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. but but again the way the way he's able to to strip it down and keep it so simple but yet convey so much it really is that that vocal performance it's just really
0: outstanding yeah yeah you're right there's there's no re- there's no metaphors at all it's all no just- yeah, it's it's very, really, like, this is what happened that day. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah.
1: Incredibly straightforward. So, so yeah, so the, that's uh, I Was Young When I Left Home. Again, it's a terrific song. It's not something uh, necessarily I would have thought we would be getting to at some point. Uh, not that, again, it's a great song. But uh, I'm very glad that you asked to talk about this one, Douglas, because it's, uh, it's kind of an unusual, obscure song but it's it's really great
0: absolutely one of my favorites <laughs> all right
1: well thank you so much for coming back and talking uh, with, with me about this
0: oh always a pleasure rob always a pleasure and uh i i, I hope that uh you're able to check out my my youtube video of, of gypsy navy i did i did i didn't know that you i didn't know that you played music at all i was shy i was pleasantly shocked at that that was great oh thank you very much yeah you know it was the when, when I looked into Tin Angel, I kind of went down a rabbit hole and uh, got into all these kind of weird places with that song. And then I, I finally decided, well, you know, I'm just going to learn how to play it and maybe I'll mess around with the verses a little bit and create an alternate ending. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Absolutely amazing.
1: So before we sign off here, uh, I have to ask you, Douglas. um, So we, you know, there's the rumors. uh, There's been rumors for a while that Bob is returning to touring. There was this thing on Twitter the other day about supposedly uh, his company booked some site booked a a venue in Cincinnati. We'll see what happens. We hear, we hear a lot of things on the internet about Bob Dylan that are not true. Um, (laughs) But uh, again, I'm going to ask you what I've been asking everybody. So, okay, Bob's coming back to touring. You got tickets, and somehow he sees your version of Gypsy Davey and is so impressed he wants to. He contacts you, <laughs> and he says, "Okay, Douglas, for for your first show of mine, what do you want to hear me open with?"
0: Well, well, Rob, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to say I was young when I left home. Just Bob and <laughs> his his guitar uh center stage <laughs> what a, i mean <laughs> what a uh, what a melancholy way to open a concert that's, like. that's a good point that's a good point.
1: no i mean honestly really get I, the crowd I, on its feet with uh, with this <laughs>
0: song yeah that would be that would be kind of a downer yeah to, <laughs> but, but but at the same time if you knew if you knew you know if you knew his whole catalog you'd, you'd be like that would be like a life-changing moment right oh um, sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i you know the the one of the best openers i ever saw him do was oh babe it ain't no lie Mm. and uh so i really do like the idea of of him coming out and you know his his whole band kind of dressed up like cowboys (laughs) and and playing these old standards um so let's the let's uh, diamond joe okay okay (laughs) now again not
1: yeah not dissimilar from this song so i I would love to hear him do diamond joe that's my favorite performance off of good as i've been to you i would love you could have a whole
0: band too it's it's oh man that'd be super cool yeah yeah absolutely so yeah that's that's i think i'm I'm feeling like it's not going to happen but i'm you know hey look i put it out there if if bob listens to the show maybe he'll be like you
1: know that's a good idea (laughs) yeah do like an up-tempo country rock version of it that'd be pretty fun to do i I, i would absolutely love the other so again there are no wrong answers (laughs) <laughs> for this question, there are no wrong answers. So okay, Diamond Joe, fair, fair enough. So again, Douglas, thanks so much for for coming back. Why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet?
0: uh so on Twitter, I'm uh, at Amanqua la Rose. Um, I, I won't bother to spell it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you can also look up my blog, The Cava Sewer, which is a, a blog where I, I review Cava, uh, which is a South Pacific root beverage. Uh, it's not Bob Dylan related, but you know it, it might be something that people uh, get interested in. So.
1: Oh, we all have lots of different interests. It doesn't all have to be Bob Dylan. That's a very good point.
0: Yeah. We
1: contain multitudes,
0: Douglas. As man, as man <laughs> no, no, we're one dimensional people, Rob. We're exactly. one dimensional. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly.
1: So, uh, anyway, again, Douglas, thank you so much for coming back. You know, I always enjoy talking to you. Um, of course, for this show, you can find all the back episodes on our website, finewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And then finally, if you want to support the Findwater Podcast Network, Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krug, George Doherty, and Joaquin Meckel for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week.
0: Bye. I mean, uh, Bob Dylan, who was uh, not considered to be like a technically great singer, has, I think, in, 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 his, in the quality of his voice, the ability to convey more than one meaning at once with the same line, which is extraordinary.